What is going on, everybody? It's Derek with another episode of Gaming and Chill. It's actually episode number five. So, I just want to say thank you all for so much for listening and really just enjoying and commenting and that sort of thing. Uh, really been good to hear back from some of you uh, about how much you enjoy and getting some feedback. So, wanted to say thank you at the top of the show. You all are awesome. But you didn't come here to hear all about that. You came to hear about some gaming news, which is the bulk of today's show, which I've got also a cool final piece that I think is actually really cool and bridges the gaming anime gap. So first up, we got Dishonored 2 has an official release date of November 11th for Xbox One, PS4, and the PC. If you are a fan of the game, chances are you will enjoy the new one. You can sneak around in the shadows or go in guns blazing, depending upon how you feel. I will most likely be doing stealth, but first, I gotta catch up on Dishonored. It was one of those games that flew under the radar for me. You can play as two different characters. They are Empress Emily Caldwin or her protector Corvo Antano. That is kind of exciting. They're kind of giving you some two characters and they... There's not just solely stealth or solely going guns blazing. You can kind of choose depending upon how things are going down. And that's exciting. I am a fan of the stealth fact. Um, when I played Thief a lot and uh, like a lot of Splinter Cell, always chose the uh, always chose the stealth route. Uh, never thought about going guns blazing because there are just so many first person shooters that. Uh, you can just do that and, you know, thought I'd do something different. Something a little bit more difficult. Next up, Square Enix. They're doing it again. They already have Final Fantasy XV loaded and ready to go in September. However, they are announcing a free-to-play Final Fantasy game called Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. I'm probably mispronouncing that horrifically. It is coming to the iOS and the Android markets soon-ish. It will include strategic battles, different maps, and amazing summons from classic things, plus fighting alongside some of your favorite Final Fantasy characters that you all know and love. You can actually pre-register starting May 16th, and that the more people that pre-register, the more content each player gets unlocked in the game. I done some math because each person who pre-registers gives 30 points and requires so many points to unlock different tiers of un uh, unlockables. So I done some math and this is rounding up. If over 34,000 people register, you get Magitek Armor Terra to unlock. And if almost 200,000 people register, you get 10 rare summons tickets. Now between those numbers, there's some other unlocks. But I thought, here's the low tier, here's the high tier. Those are things that I would want to know about. And from the way their website is running, it looks like a lot of people will be pre-registering. I tried going to their website, and it was broken. I couldn't even load it. So hopefully that means that a lot of people are trying to go to it and pre-register it, and it's just crashing. I, for one, when it's available for pre-registering, uh, pre I will be going and doing that. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. I have played and at one point owned 
every Final Fantasy game at some point. That does include Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy, what is it, 13 uh, Realm Reborn. Or is it 14? 14 Realm Reborn. Oh, every one of them. Uh, some of them are good, some of them aren't, but I've played every one of them and I liked what they're doing with most of them. X2, little weak, felt like Charlie's Angels, but hey, what are you going to do, right? That was when they, that was one of their first sequels. So they were trying something and hey, you know what? You, you try something new and if it fails, you take what you learn. On to sadder news, Disney has canceled their popular game, Disney Infinity. It's probably been running around the internet by now, but it's officially been discontinued. They have completely discontinued the game, but they're also shutting down Avalanche Software, the studio that was responsible for the game. So that means over 300 people will be losing their jobs. I'm sure they'll find other jobs within the uh, the ecosystem of game design, but that is sad that over 300 people are one day just going to go, boop, no job. Uh, hopefully, they're, they were, hopefully they were told a long time before we were so that they could start getting some stuff together and get a new job almost immediately. Now, before the game goes, there will be two new releases. One for Alice and Alice Through the Looking Glass, a movie I am excited for. And the other is for Finding Dory, another I am excited for. Now, in March, Disney did say that there would be no new edition for the game. And I'm sure that at that point, many parents and avid collectors sighed a breath of a relief. Because they don't have to go find a new edition of the game and make some of their old collectibles outdated and they don't have to worry about crying children. However, there's not going to be a new edition ever. So maybe by Christmas time it'll be like, oh man, that easy gift of getting my children extra Disney Infinity stuff. Maybe that'll wear off and they'll be like, I wish it was back. Um, now, with all the joking, I want, do want to reiterate, I am not making light of the fact that 300 people will be find themselves without a job. So um, if you're listening and you're one of those 300 people, I really hope that you find a new job. I'm, I'm not a humongous Disney Infinity fan. I'm not a humongous fan of that whole kind of idea. Disney Dimensions was about as close as I got. I'm getting closer with the Amiibos. But I hope you all well, and I'm sure you'll find something else in game design. Should that be what you're looking for? Now... Last week, I did a huge piece on the eight of the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. However, today's news bridges that gap between the two. So, last week, uh, discussed that, but this week, Studio Redpaw has released a VR package for both the Vive and the Oculus Rift, so that everyone can enjoy this experience. The experience is iconic scenes from very popular Studio Ghibli movies. You have the boiler scene, boiler room scene from Spirited Away, the bus stop from My Neighbor Totoro, and the meadow scene in Howl's Moving Castle. If it were not for the fact that the VR hardware was so expensive, 
I would buy it just for those scenes. I probably would have just bought it just for the bus stop scene from My Neighbor Totoro. But I find it really hard to justify spending upwards of $400 to see a scene from a movie in which I already own. A lot of what's coming coming out for VR, it, it's just not... Uh, it just hasn't hooked me yet. I've seen a lot of cool tech demos, but I haven't seen anything where I'm like, oh my gosh, that totally justifies $400 of expenditures for tech demos. I can spend that $400 and get cool editing software for my computer or get an Xbox or something like that. Just throwing that out there. If it's their thing, great. I would take recommendations for a VR game, but right now, from everything I've seen, they're it's just not out there. So, I have set, reported this before, uh, partially. So there was a Resident Evil Umbrella Core game coming out. Capcom has promised another Resident Evil game before March 31st, 2017, the end of this fiscal year. So that would be in addition to the Umbrella Core game. Now, they've also already stated that they're currently developing a remake, not a remaster, of Resident Evil 2, and they've promised a Resident Evil 7. So, if you're excited for a series that really, I, in my opinion, started to phone it in around Resident Evil 5, then you have something excited for. However, if you're more of the horror fan that it began as, hopefully we won't be disappointed. I spent a lot of time, uh, really spent any amount of time playing Resident Evil 5, and that's about where my Resident Evil capped off at. I've tried playing, like, the Operation Raccoon City, but that was an abomination of a game. I've watched other people play Resident Evil 6. Just from the looks of it, it didn't look like a Resident Evil game, and they were commenting, this doesn't feel like Resident Evil. This feels like a supernatural first-person shooter. I liked the horror. If they made something along the lines of, like, Outcast, if you've been following that, very much the survival horror game, if they mixed that with a shooter game and they added in the dark element and scarce ammo, you would have an amazing Resident Evil game. That's been the one of the biggest complaints is it looks like you never run out of ammo. You're never really in any danger in, the, in these games. I remember through Resident Evil 1, it was like, you could only save so many times. Don't botch it up. Because otherwise, you start over. And ammo was not around every corner in every box. It was given when you should need it. Otherwise, just avoid or use the knife. So, if they go back to that and they use elements from Outcast, which appears to be a very terrifying game... That would be an amazing Resident Evil experience. Go back to its roots in horror. Give us just a straight zombie game. I would be all over it. Very much so. All over it. Like a more serious, if you've played it, it's called a Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I. Very much like scarce ammo, having to go do things. If you made it with a good story, very much Resident Evil you absolutely would have something worth money right there. I'm a little concerned about the Umbrella Core and 7 and this new game that they're promising. I, I'm, I, I'm worried about it, to be very honest. Very worried about it.
Now, on to my next piece. Um, not sure if you've heard about, uh, about this game called Minecraft or a game called Mario. Kind of out there. Who names a game Mario, especially Super Mario? Uh, well, if you have heard of Minecraft, you know you can probably buy it on every system ever known to man imaginable. I'm very shocked we have not seen an Amiga port of Minecraft. Like, Doom. If, if it's a computer, you can play Doom on it. Someone has made that. Um, Minecraft is on almost every imaginable uh, platform right now. Nintendo Wii, the PS4, Xbox. I am not entirely sure if it's on the 3DS, but it's on the phones and the iPads and the Vita. So it's on everything. The Wii U version will be getting a Mario-themed skin that's supposed to be coming out May 17th. It's going to include 40 new Mario game skins, item textures, and 15 pieces of music from the Mario Pantheon. And they made a weird comment, which I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean, but this content will span across the whole Mario franchise, and not just the original Super Mario Brothers. When they said Mario-themed, I wasn't just imagining the original Super Mario Brothers, because that's what four skins. I'm not sure what they mean by all of Mario. Are they talking about things that maybe aren't released yet, and people are going to go, hey, whoa, what's this? Um, I'm probably not going to buy it. Uh, mostly because I have P Minecraft on every other console. I particularly don't need to have Mario skins. And besides, the only skin that I'd be really interesting interested to know if they have is Baby Bowser. I'm a big Baby Bowser fan. So, if they have that, I would consider it. But I'm probably not going to drop nearly 30 bucks just for a skin on Minecraft. A game I already own on Every other system I own, just, just saying, I'll stick to my PS4 version for when I'm at home. Now, I finished, immediately last week, I discussed the new Call of Duty. Almost immediately. My friend texted me, I checked Twitter. Battlefield 1 was announced. Not Battlefield, Battlefield 1. It was announced, and a trailer dropped. And I was like, really? Five minutes after I did a podcast talking about Call of Duty. Hmm. Come on now. So I was like, I'll talk about it this week. The trailer does look solid. So it may be able to keep me in the battlefield area, but Call of Duty may pull me into that, depending upon how that goes. I've been reading a lot of... People complaining about it. And that's just people complaining. Complainers going to complain. Um, however, the development studio has said that they're using what they learned from the release of Star Wars Battlefront recently. And they will be using that as their prototype, their uh, idea, their goal for when they release the servers. When Battlefield 4 dropped, there was a lot of problems. So many, in fact. That there was some uh, some rumors of lawsuits being filed because the servers didn't work. 
for a video game. Let me say that again. A lawsuit against a company was almost filed because the online servers didn't work. Battlefield Battlefront recently released its servers were just fine. So I believe the, the company DICE will be using that and saying, okay, maybe we do uh, open beta the weekend before, the couple months before, just to double check without our servers work, see how people like it, what we can change, just to do stress test, really. It sounds really lame, but a lot of games have been doing the online stress testing. Let's be honest. You're only going to know how good your servers are once you turn them on. If you sell a game without ever having tested the servers for the masses, you're not going to know how well those servers do. Look at Overwatch, Battleborn, Doom even did it. You've got all of these open betas and they're like, hey, we're this is just an open beta. Yes, it allows people to play your game, but it also allows the bulk of people who are interested in buying this game download a demo play and be online on your servers it's a stress test for free giving people content to go i'm super pumped about this game or to go i'm not pumped about it but they just tested your servers for you so use it take it so hopefully that launches better than battlefield battle uh, battlefield 4 anything less than um a class action lawsuit can be considered a success. If you're not threatened to be sued, you probably are pretty good. Right there, just saying. Now, this next article, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about. Mostly because probably by the time this is uploaded, it's not going to mean anything. Because the creator, Scott Cawthon, is terrible at release dates. Terrible about adhering to them, I should say. He always does it early so by the time i publish this you know what the next three five nights of freddy's games are probably going to be announced and released however he has stated on steam that he is in talks to release five nights on freddy's on consoles so if you're a fan of the games and you just were itching to play them but you were like darn i don't want to do it at my computer I really wish I could play this on my PlayStation. I really wish I could play this on my Xbox. You might be in luck. If fans have anything to say about it, it will reach consoles. It will probably reach almost every console. There have been some rumors that Wii U probably won't work. And with the way the Wii is structured for families, I'm kind of sure they're kind of right. Let's be honest. Yes, Five Nights at Freddy's is popular with the kids for some reason, I'm not sure if it's the idea of them being actually being scared of something, because let's face it, most video games aren't scary anymore. And kids want to be scared, I guess. Gets their adrenaline pumping? I don't know. I wasn't one of those kids that liked being scared. I actively seek not to be scared, because to me, nothing is scary anymore. So, there. So, by the time this is publishing, and I'm publishing this in about an hour... You know, Scott Cawthon probably will have released games and books and books about books and games about books and books about games. So, hopefully, 
It's not been confirmed. I haven't checked Twitter in the last 10 minutes. Or the Reddit page. So, consoles. Yay, nay. So, um, Riot Games has banned three teams. Team Renegades, Team Impulse, and Team Dragon Knights. If you're not sure who Riot Games is, they're in charge of League of Legends. Maybe you heard of it. Maybe you haven't. It's the, uh, well, not the original, but the biggest MOBA at the moment. It changes so often. It's stayed on the top for so long, but for so long, Dota was on top. So, what do you got to say about that? Mostly, these are the three teams were banned from any official League of Legends events. And why, you might ask, were they banned from playing a video game? That has millions of sponsors. Just, well, not millions of sponsors. Millions of dollars tied up in this ecosystem. Well, to boil it down, these three teams were just being pricks to their players. Why might I say it like that? They didn't pay them. Or they were endangering them by not paying them. Now, there was some allegations that a couple of the teams were in talks were still being partially managed from the shadows by someone who had already been banned from tournaments. But the main issue is they weren't paying them. If you have people who are willing to pay, play a game for your company that, in all logic, it, 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 it astounds that people are paying for this. I'm all for esports. There are just hundreds of thousands of dollars wrapped up in this economy within the game for a game and, and people are being signed to teams like sports teams and they are not getting paid that would be like signing michael jordan to the chicago bulls or wherever and just going whoops we forgot to pay you our bad okay he's dedicating his time and his effort, and his life, to play a game for your team. They're not playing, for, he's not, Michael Jordan's not playing for the Michael Jordan, Michael Jordans. He's playing for the Chicago Bulls. Actually, I think that actually is where he's from. So, you need to pay these people playing this game for your team. Otherwise, things like this happen. You get banned. Now, that seems weird to say they were banned from a tournament, but these are huge competitions. And to find out they're not paying their players, it makes you also go, what else are they doing to these players? Because, and, and, and I'm, all, I'm on Riot's side here. If you're not taking care of the players, what are you doing with all the money that is being given your team to play? These teams have sponsorships. From like Red Bull and different gaming companies. They're saying, we're giving your your team money to play this game. We want, any win for you is a win for us in our checkbooks. So to just drop the ball and not pay them makes you really stop and go, well, maybe the team is being mismanaged. Hopefully these players haven't wasted their time, haven't wasted their effort and their life. Hopefully another team goes, we'll take them. We'll take them right now. Hey, we'll pay you. We will pay you. So hopefully these players get picked back up. 
and are allowed to compete in these tournaments because it's not really their fault that their team was banned. It's not they're like, oh, no, no, we're good. Please don't pass. These people, all, some of them hadn't been paid for months. So hopefully they get picked back up because they're the innocent party in this. And hopefully Riot will let them come in and not have to wait for the new season to start. So hopefully. there. Are, I don't know how many people were affected by this, but three teams were banned from tournaments. I'm not sure if it's a perma ban or if it's going to be just a temporary thing until they get their get their heads straight. Not sure. There's not really been a whole lot of speculation right now. But hopefully these people will get back into the League of Legends game. I want to see them succeed. I love esports and think it should be considered a sport. If you are dedicating time to playing a game for large amounts of money, it's a sport. You can get injured playing this game. Carpal tunnel is a real thing. You can get hurt playing this sport. So... It is a sport, and yes, it should be on ESPN. Thankfully, they've made strides, and it's getting closer. So, that's exciting. And also, speaking of sports, Madden NFL 2017 has been announced. So now you can play American football even more in more American football standards. Um... I'm not a humongous sports fan person, sports fan, sports game fan, so I'm not sure why they release a new NFL game every year when you could just add a patch to change the rosters. And once again, I'm not entirely sure how much the rosters change year to year that it would require a humongous patch, to even be honest. Um... I'm sure someone out there knows why there's a new one released literally every year. There's always the joke of, oh, the new Assassin's Creed game, it's going to be next year. Or the new uh, Call of Duty game, it's going to be next year. Well, we're at the midnight release of one right now. Well, it's going to be next year. NFL and the NHL and NBA and MLB, those sort of games, they come out every year. And every year they're bestsellers. And I'm, every year I'm going, Really? All of you literally own this game. It's not like baseball's getting even more baseball-y. It's not like the rules for baseball have changed immensely or they're adding a new mechanic. You can swing the bat even faster. Like, at least with new games like Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, you get new abilities, new things to do. The core idea is the same, just new things to do and how to do them. So I'm not sure how that's works maybe someone could tell me but uh you know what in the spirit of things i hope that whoever plays this they end up kicking a lot of home runners home runs and remember to tag the twig runner for the next for the for to this week's huge topic i want to discuss the tack the topic of cosplay you can do that if you're a gaming fan you can do that if you're an anime fan. I've got no real anime news this week, but I read this article, and I was like, you know what? I really want to discuss this, because this should be more widely known. This is amazing information. If you've ever been online, ever, especially after giant conventions like Comic-Con, AnimeCon, TwitchCon, MineCon, there's even a YouTubeCon, RTX, Gotta Love the Rooster Teeth Convention, Cosplay is 
everywhere. You'll probably see BuzzFeed posting top 10 anime cosplay, top 10, ga top 10 gaming cosplay, top 10 comic book cosplay, top 10 Spider-Mans. And you're going, okay, thank you BuzzFeed. I now know the top 10, top 10, top 10s of cosplay. But what are you telling me about cosplay? Well, for many of us, cosplay is something that we just pray we don't scroll past on Facebook or Imgur or Reddit while we're on break at work or sitting in class, as several, several times I have been when I was still in school. You're scrolling past it going, please no cosplay, please no cosplay. I love the idea of it, but I don't want to scroll past it because there's a fundamental flaw. There are, let me state, there are, there are many cosplay artists that are extremely talented and their costumes are more elaborate than anything I've really ever seen. I just noticed that many times it's, it has a lot of exposed skin and really makes it really hard to justify to the random passerby that you're not looking at anything obscene or dirty, but you're looking at a person's costume that's inspired by... Zubat from Pokemon or Magikarp from Pokemon. And I'm not sure why a lot of times media portrays it as, you know, your Zubat inspired costume requires a two piece bathing suit and a small headpiece. If that's what the media is portraying as cosplay, they're doing it a disservice. Because they're not, in my opinion, in my opinion, they're not honoring the original intention of cosplay. Uh, I understand that if you want to be a professional cosplay artist, that you have to do things that sell. And I also understand that in our culture nowadays, sex sells. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they don't want to face the truth and they're lying to you. Sex does sell, unfortunately. Look at Look at, go into a comic book shop and notice how many are just, they have pictures of comic book girls in interesting poses. And you're like, this just doesn't seem like it's what comic books are supposed to be about. Because it sells. You picked it up. You looked at it. You considered buying it. That moves, that moves units off a shelf, to be very honest. And so, as, a, as someone who's, who's someone, if they're aspiring to be a cosplay artist, they need to do something that sells. Something that gets their picture taken and put into a BuzzFeed article that gives no hints at sources. That does not give credit where credit is due. As this person who creates a piece of cosplay. As widely, as, as widely spread as cosplay is, I... I, I I would believe that people don't really know where cosplay came from. I know it's true that uh, many people throughout history have dressed up as their favorite people from literature. How many people dressed up as Sherlock Holmes to book readings or had costume parties and they were dressed up as Greek gods or that sort of thing. But that's not cosplay. Cosplay started around the conventions when people went for a fandom. It was actually a woman by the name of Myrtle Rebecca Douglas Smith Gray 
Nolan. Yes, that's actually her real name. I looked it up. It's a very long name, but you should remember it. She's born in 1904, and at the first World Science Fiction Convention, her and her then-boyfriend dressed up in simple attire that they called futuristic costumes. That's one word. They're simple ideas. Simple costumes. But the idea sparked something within the culture. Yeah, a lot of people were like, hey, this guy is dressing up and so is his girlfriend. But at the end of the day, when he talked to people, when he wrote it down in a memoir, it was her idea. She created the costumes. She got him to wear it. Now, no one else at this convention was dressed up. So they were the only two people at the first world science fiction convention. The first one. Dressing up in a costume was there. Because of two people. Two people dressed up. And from there, as they say, the rest is history. That has been documented. They were the, they were the only two people in costumes. And were extremely noticeable when they were the only two. But it sparked something within people. In the following years, conventions, people would show up in different costumes and come up dressed as new things, and it, it just went from there. People started to love the ideas, dressing as something else. Dressing up as something related to that fandom. Now, in 1984... A man by the name of Nobuyuki Takahashi. I pray I didn't butcher that pronunciation. He attended the 1984 World Science Fiction Convention. And there were people dressed up in costumes. It was not cosplay at the time. But when he went back to Japan and wrote an article for the My Anime Magazine... He shortened the two words that were used to describe it at that time. Costumed roleplay. And he condensed it down to one word. Cosplay. It became synonymous as dressing up and, and having fun playing as that character. And that is how the idea of cosplay began. At the first convention as a misunderstanding. the Miss Myrtle thought that everyone would be dressing up. But no one else did except her then-boyfriend. So a misunderstanding became a booming business that it is today. Go on Imager. Go on your favorite image-sharing website after a convention, and you'll just see cosplay upon cosplay after cosplay it's become an industry and I, I really think at the end of things cosplay was a love about a particular subject these two the first convention were passionate about science fiction and so they dressed up as something from the future and now it's used to Sell a magazine. Sell a BuzzFeed article. It's 
there, I, I worry that there are many people who want to use that to get famous, and so they dress up only as something that'll sell. They're not, they're not displaying their true interest, their true fandom. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with cosplaying however you want, because at the end of all days, it's your costume. It's that person's costume. Yes, you may have spent more hours on it than that other person who wore a t-shirt or who just got cardboard together and made a costume. You both spent time in your fan in your fandom about something you love. And if that led them to dress up in a cardboard box and say they're a Gundam, great. And if that led you to wear your skimpy midriff exposing costume good for you you've chosen that because that is your fandom but i worry that there's a lot of companies that capitalize on young women who are seeking to let this be their passion by telling them only things that are provocative in nature will ever get them recognized as a cosplay artist. I've seen so many cosplayers that they don't rely upon that 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 art of that side of things. They rely upon skill and a passion. They want to make this costume the best they can and stay as true to character or put their own twist on it. And I've seen those pictures and those have a true love and a true passion which makes the cosplay even better. Yes, a large majority of people, and especially kitschy articles like BuzzFeed, and I, I'm, ba I'm bagging on them right now, they want what'll, what'll, what'll get them views, what'll get them clicks on a video, what'll get them noticed. And that is the provocative nature of things. They want things that that are very clickbaity titles or images. They want young men and young women to click on links that the top 10 sexiest cosplay in. They're just making a mockery of what cosplay was, which was a love and a fanship of something. And cosplay doesn't have to be super fancy. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be what... BuzzFeed would qualify as good. It has to come from your love of that topic. I've seen a lot of people who are like, I want to cosplay, but I don't have money. I want to cosplay, but I don't have the skills to make my own costume. And I just want to reach out to these people and say, you don't have to have a perfect costume. If you love that, if you love Batman, dress as Batman as best as you can or the way that your budget leads you to. Because your passion for Batman and love for Batman is only going to make you happier, which is going to make you cosplay that character better. So, I guess at the end of all things, really, dress however you want. I mean, if dressing like Wonder Woman makes you feel powerful, do it. Because that's why she dresses that way. I am, of course, referencing the Justice League movie. I think it's Justice League War, where they're having a there's a mob mentality about Wonder Woman, and one guy jumps up and says, 
Look at the way she's dressing. Look at the way she's dressing. She hits him with a lasso of truth. And she's like, why do you hate this? And he goes, because I dress that way in my home. Because it makes me feel powerful. And she just responds, that's why I do it too. If dressing up as Batman or Wonder Woman or a Zubat from Pokemon makes you feel pride in yourself, do it. But don't let anyone tell you how to do it or how to dress to be successful or to have your picture taken or featured in an article or an image gallery. Do it because you want to do it. Because it makes you feel powerful. That's all I got. That's my after school special. Uh, other things were like Civilization Six was announced. There's no been big announcement date yet, but the trailer looks great. I recently tweeted it out, and it looks great. Looks like a promotional, uh, not so much of a promotional, but an inspirational film. So go check that out. But really, that's all I had. So, if you want to reach me, you can use my Twitter handle at underscore wolf. Uh, I'm sorry, at bad underscore wolf studio. I am consistently on Twitter, so if you tweet me basically any time, unless it's like the middle of the night, I will answer. And you can also look me up on Instagram. Same bad wolf studio. Facebook, we're there. If you do have any questions, I've been having some trouble with the uh, hashtag lately. Mostly because when I say it, there's nothing up there. But then when I say, hey, use this hashtag, I'll look at Twitter and it'll be like thousands of things that aren't related to this podcast. So I looked it up two minutes before I recorded this. So if you have questions or comments telling me I'm wrong, I'm right, uh, you love it, you hate it, whatever. Use the hashtag, hashtag gaming and chill podcast. Looked it up. No other things like that. So, hey, can't complain about that. So, those are my handles. Um, recently, the Assassin's Creed trailer dropped. I didn't talk about it a lot because I don't cover movies. However, I do have uh, good friends of mine that actually do cover movies. So, you should go check them out. It's the Film Slate podcast. They recently done the Civil War uh Captain America Civil War, that is. They recently talked about that, and uh, you should go listen to that. You can find them on Twitter at the Film Slate Pod, uh, same, Film Slate Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and they have their own hashtag and everything like that. Or you can look them up on iTunes to find the podcast, the Film Slate Podcast. It's really great. They're going to be doing a top 10 list of their movies, favorite movies, or something like that. Uh, they were kind of, they're kind of interesting about that. I love them. I've listened to every episode. They're only up to, going to be episodes nine. So I'm excited about that. So, until next week, play more games. And chill. Chill.